All right, welcome back into Sports Call. Tiger 95.9 FM and on the Tiger Communications app. JJ Jackson with Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress. And we are so thrilled and excited to go to our Auburn Bank phone line. Joining us now all the way from the Pacific Northwest, our good buddy Brad Law with the Auburn Sports Network as we get set for Auburn baseball and the Super Regionals versus Oregon State. Brad, the time is always greatly appreciated. This might be one of the longest phone calls distance-wise that we've ever had with you on the show. I think it's safe to say that it is. Yeah, 26 or 2,700 miles, uh, the difference between Auburn and Oregon. And uh, this is this is the western half of Oregon, too. I looked at the map on my phone last night when we finally got to the hotel, and you just just kind of had to look at it and look how far away it is from home. And wow, we are we are literally on the other side of the country right now, <laughs> and it's a big country. So, yeah, but but we're excited about why sixteen teams left competing in college baseball, and Auburn is one of them. They- so. Listen, that's fine with me. Send, send us to Alaska if you need to. <laughs> Whatever it takes to keep moving forward. As you said, Auburn, one of 16 teams left with that national championship hope. So uh, we can't set up a Super Regional without properly addressing what took place uh, over the weekend. 51 runs for the Auburn Tigers offense in the Regional. Let's hold that for just a moment. Let's talk pitching. What stood out to you about Auburn baseball's pitching in the Regional performance? The consistency, and, and I don't know that you can talk about it totally without um, referencing the offense, and because the offense got out to such quick start. You know, 11 runs in the first inning against southeastern Louisiana, and so Trace Bright goes five. He throws 100-plus pitches to get you five innings, but he's able to work out of a little bit of trouble here and there. Um, and, you know, he's going to want more strikes. Um then he threw against southeastern Louisiana against Oregon State this weekend, but he was consistent. All three starting pitchers gave you at least five innings. Joseph Gonzalez, you know what you get with him. He was steady. And then Mason Barnett simply had the best start of his Auburn career against UCLA. So um, it's hard to win a regional without a couple of really strong starting outings. Um you had a regional where there were a couple of influential and important pieces of the bullpen that didn't pitch at all because of how deep the starters were able to get into those ball games. And, and Brad, obviously the big story of the week and of the regional was Auburn's offense scoring 51 runs in three games. And, and after a week in which Auburn had been pretty disappointed by their offense and, and by uh, their play overall against Kentucky. I mean, uh, were indications before this regional that something like this was on the horizon? Did it feel like a matter of time, or, or was this just completely out of nowhere? I, I wouldn't say there were indications, but I would say that it's not all that surprising because it's been a consistently good-hitting team all year, right? The the Kentucky four-game set in Lexington and Hoover was an anomaly, and you kind of thought that it would be because they hadn't had a, a stretch of games like that all year. Um, so it could have gone one of two ways. It could have carried over, and then you could have ended the season saying, man, what a bad time to go on your first real hitting slump as a team of the season. But, you know, this team just doesn't do that. They don't stay mired in stuff very long. They never lost more than two games in a row all season. And um, you just kind of thought that offensive funk was, was going to break. So they got back. They, you know, retooled some stuff. They kind of refocused things and, 
couple of players call it a, a really hard reset. And then, uh, you know, when you when you score 11 runs in that first inning, when your first eight batters reach without, the, you know, before the first out of the game is made, that's one thing. And at the end of the first two games, back-to-back nights, you can't really find one at bat that was just given away. Where somebody tried to go off script and, you know, maybe they try to pull when they should have gone to the opposite field or maybe they swing at, at three really bad balls and strike out. And you just didn't find it at bat like that. And those were two games that were totally out of hand early. But still, even in the latter stages, they didn't get in. Cole Foster is a big piece of that. Cole coming back from injury wasn't available against Kentucky. He came back really strong when he was injured, uh, when he had a shoulder injury earlier in the year at the start of SEC play. Came back and had five hits in his first two games back, and then had hits in seven of eight games coming back after that injury. Thought he might perform well coming back again from injury. He exceeded those expectations. And then, you know, Blake Rambush and Sonny Deshera were strong, and Brody Moore was a regional MVP. He was strong. They really just linked together the at-bats from top to bottom. Brad, I uh, want to talk about what you saw over the weekend from regional MVP Brody Moore. What, what were your takes on his game this weekend? Well, he's laser-focused. Uh, I, I know that. I know he had an error in the first game. He was out of hand. Um, he, he's been so steady, and it means so much to him. I mean, I saw a passionate guy. We've seen a steady, consistent worker all year long. But then you see a guy who you know, almost got emotional talking about what it meant to him to look out and see the Auburn family celebrating that regional, um, to, to know what it means to the school and to the community and um, to, to this team. They've put in a lot of work, and, and he showed it. You know, had a five-hit game against Florida State, uh, reached base six times in that game. Um, I think it meant something to him to be the tournament MVP. Again, this is it's not new. Now, he hadn't had a five-hit game this year, but – He's had several multi-hit games. He's made a habit of going the other way. He's, I mean, he's just been a rock for this baseball team. Hasn't garnered the headlines that Dennis Sonny Deshera has garnered this year that the pitching sometimes garnered. And he's okay with that. He just goes and does his job and does it exceedingly well. Brad, I know you asked this uh, question to one of the players on the uh, in the postgame show the other day, and I'm sure people have seen it online, but if in case they weren't listening to the postgame show, tell us about the Bad News Bears jersey. Well, yeah, they, uh, they saw the Bears jersey. Brody explained it that uh, they saw one at the SEC tournament, and it was too expensive to buy there. So they, they found one on Amazon, and it's kind of been their mantra in the dugout um, that when they break it down. They put all their hands in and say, one, two, three, bad news. So the idea there is that they are bad news for any team that they're going to come up against. And it doesn't matter whether they're at home or or on the road at Texas A&M or LSU uh, or on the road in Arlington to start the season or on the road within the state of Alabama like they went throughout the regular season and claimed these these road victories. Uh, Bad news is coming, is what they like to say. So... Uh, I think that applies to Corvallis, Oregon, as well. And so when you have bad news traveling, you got the, the movie reference to the bad news bears. Uh, they now have a bears jersey. Just as a little, just as a tangible reminder that they're trying to bring bra- uh, bad news wherever they go. When you look at the great individual offensive performances this past weekend, as it pertains to translating to Oregon State, 
Whose performance was most important in your eyes? Was it Sonny Desherry getting off the snide, or just who was most important in terms of getting it going in time for the Corvallis Super Regional? It's it's a really good question, and I don't know that I can answer with one because if one person stands out above the other, like if one person has a great weekend and nobody else does, Auburn probably not. They're probably not advancing. I think it's got to be just like we saw this past weekend. Now, look, it doesn't have to be an average of 17 runs a game, I don't think. But um, but the multiple guy, I think you have to have Blake Rambush and Sonny Deshera. Those are the two that Kentucky fairly effectively shut down, and there was a carryover to that. So I think, you know, Blake is the guy at the top of the lineup. Sonny is the guy who's been in the three-hole most of the year and for most of the season has been the best hitter in college baseball. If your leadoff guy and the best hitter are – performing at a high level this weekend, then I think what that does is translate and now the other guys are doing the same thing. And I think Cole Foster being between those two is, uh, it obviously, we know how it worked it well last weekend. He set a new regional RBI record for, for Auburn. Um, if those three together are now linking things up, uh, then you know, to go back to the last question and answer, that's, that's bad news, I think, for anybody. Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network is joining us here on this Friday edition of Sports Call. He and Andy Burcham will have your play-by-play coverage. You can listen to it here in the Lee County area starting tomorrow night on FM Talk 93.9. So, Brad, Oregon State is the opponent for Auburn baseball. Let's kind of do a deeper dive there with the Beavers. Like, what, what stands out most about this Oregon State team in 2022? To me, it's the fact that as a team they're hitting close to 300 and they only have one, you know, real – consistent home run threat only one guy who has double digit home runs this year um but they have guys that hit doubles they have guys that steal bases and they they find ways to get on base um so they're consistent from an offensive standpoint and uh, they have a deep pitching staff as well although Cooper Jerky, who some people think is the best pitcher in college baseball is 155 strikeouts in nearly 98 innings he's 10 and 2 this year um, and he's only given up three home runs. Uh, they have another starter, uh, Jacob Matz, who's eight and two, and has uh, doesn't, doesn't have the same strikeout numbers. But uh, between Jerpy and Matz, those guys are eighteen and four on the year in uh, uh, in sixteen and fifteen starts, respectively. So, what can Auburn do against the starters? Can they hang around? Can can they can they hit those guys early? Jerpy is a left-hander. And Auburn knocked the two lefty starters it faced in the regional out of the game without recording an out. I don't necessarily expect him to do that against Jerpy, but you know he's not a guy who has historically, or at least in his last several big games this year, he's not going seven and eight innings. He's going five or so and getting to 100 pitches. So can Auburn be patient against him, do some damage against him, maybe get him out of the game early, and get into the bullpen. There's still a challenge there because they're good in the bullpen. But um, I'd, I'd rather face those guys than those those two starters I mentioned before. Oregon State is a program that's won three national championships, three titles since 2005 even. What have you heard about the atmosphere uh, of this program walking into the, the weekend Super Regional? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. We, uh, we will go, I, I guess, very soon and see this, uh, this ballpark, Goss Stadium. It is... One of, if not the oldest uh, college baseball parks in the country, and it's been renovated numerous times. But, um, but, but this site is one of the oldest 
in the in the country. Uh, it holds a few hundred fans fewer than Plainsman Park. But again, because of the history and because of the success historically they've had, and now they're in a position again, if they can win this weekend to go back to Omaha, um, yeah, I, I would expect a similar atmosphere to what we experience at Plainsman Park. What? How did you and uh, Andy stay entertained this past weekend, Brad? There were a lot of rain delays, a lot of uh, dead time to kill while you were trying to get baseball games back in. How did you stay entertained? I was trying to convince Albie to go uh, sliding on the tarp, whenever the tarp <laughs> covers the field. He wouldn't do it. He one he one time um, tried to get me to go with him. So you know we were looking at each other through the glass. And I said, "Okay, you go," and then he pointed at me and as if to say, "No, you go." And then he he pointed to, as if to say, "Why don't we both go?" And uh, uh, you know the bosses wouldn't allow it, but <laughs> I, I was ready. I was willing to give it a try. <laughs> Brad, it's so great to chat with you. We're looking forward to listening to you and Andy on the call. Give us one more plug for your coverage all weekend long, and uh, just what's going to take place this weekend between Auburn and Oregon State. Nine o'clock Central tomorrow night and Sunday night. Uh, so uh, eight forty-five airtime, both games. Uh, if Auburn just wins both of them, then we don't worry about Monday. But there we go. You know, if they split, the, if they split the first two game time Monday, still to be determined to still to be announced. But yeah, we're 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 going to enjoy bringing you this story from from Corvallis, and uh, hopefully it's a winning weekend for Auburn. Brad, the time is always greatly appreciated. We'll talk to you again soon. War Eagle, sir. Thank you, guys. War Eagle. That's Brad Law with the Auburn Sports Network. He's joining us here today on Sports Talk.